episode 53 of Rumor Requirement, our podcast dedicated to reason and resilience in the time of Trump. Yeah. I am one of your co-hosts, Kamala Rao, and with me as always... Ah, Miracle Jones. Uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you, thank you. You've been on vacation for a month. Uh, well, not quite a month, well, but about three weeks, yeah. yeah. I've been out of the country at least for three weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, in Europe. Yeah. So uh, two of those weeks were vacation, and one week I was actually working in Paris. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I live a hard life. <laughs> no, you, I mean, you do. You work very hard. You're a hard working guy. Um, uh, well, yeah. So that was, uh, it was good. Um, the key highlight in terms of this podcast is I was off Twitter the entire time. I uninstalled Twitter. You seem so much more relaxed. <laughs> I, I am not aware of political news. Um, I get all my news now through The Economist, which is a weekly magazine. That's how you used to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, hey, I really know why California has a high poverty rate relative to its wealth. But, like, right. as far as what's going on with, you know, the midterms, not so much. Yeah. It's great. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had no idea what Donald Trump has said in a long time. Yeah. Well, I've never been on Twitter, so. But yeah. I've always been agitated, so. But you're on Facebook a lot. I am on it a little bit, but I get most of my news from the wire service. I, you know, I, I read the Reuters wire. Yeah, so I'm not even doing that. I don't have yeah. no news crawl right now. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, I'm a fan of uh, slow takes and uh, having my news digested for at least a week <laughs> by pretentious 23-year-old English people. Yeah, so how was your vacation? Like, yeah. uh, my vacation was good. We were in Spain for a couple of weeks traveling with my wife uh, for the first week, and then her parents joined us for the uh, one week in Spain, and then also one week in Paris. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was very interesting. Uh, Miracle Jones has already heard my wife's take yeah. on it uh, <laughs> since we met earlier, but it was um, it was, it was an interesting logistical challenge. Um, uh, you know, we relied on my Spanish, which isn't great, um, and my French, which is better, um, and my in-laws speak English but, you know, with a heavy accent, but they don't speak it super well. Yeah. Um, so often what happened was I would have to translate into English, and then my wife had, would have to translate into Mandarin or Taiwanese. Um, and then, yeah, so that was that was, <laughs> that was the name of the game. Um, and my, my in-laws are, are Taiwanese, so, like, they're, you know, kind of a little set in their ways. They're older, uh, but they still want to see Paris, and they still want to see Spain. But it's it's often really hard uh, to like you know be like okay well how do you confront another culture that's really different from yours and you're kind totally. of already yeah and it's seventy or eighty you're like you're more more likely to pass judgment and be like oh I don't know about this country like I don't like you know I don't like this or that and to be honest my my in laws are very game about a lot of things especially uh, relative to their demographic but um, sometimes a little harder they like trying to get them to like understand the like siesta lifestyle and late dinners was was difficult uh sometimes uh, not knowing exactly where to eat was a little difficult sometimes yeah and you were saying like i mean they're just like the both those cultures are just like late night cultures yeah and you were saying they just like yeah, yeah yeah they're like my, my in-laws want to go to bed by nine yeah and that's <laughs> roughly when they start serving dinner yeah in Spain, at least where we were. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, Spain was very touristy, but I still think, like, oh, we saw some amazing things. And uh, there, uh, it was the first time I'd really been into Andalu- uh, been in Andalusia, so uh, Andalusia, uh, Andalusia. Um, and it was good. I really enjoyed it. I got to practice my Spanish. That was fun. And then I got to practice my French, and that was fun. And, yeah, that was that. I, I really liked it. I really liked uh, I, I mean, there's something to be said for the European lifestyle. Um, it's very relaxing. Um, I'm happy to be back in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But, but uh, an extended trip away was nice. Yeah, I mean, what, what, 
when you were on vacation, like you, you decided to give up Twitter. Yeah. Uh, do you think you're going to go back? Um, I have to think about that. I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I mean, for the sake of this podcast, it shouldn't be more than one of us. Uh, I should be actually informed. It's not going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for, I think I'll go back, but I, I'm going to uh, really trim who I, uh, who I follow. I yeah. think that's going to be really helpful. Um, I'm also, uh, one of the things that I didn't do, but I am happy to do is, uh, listen to podcasts yeah. a lot. Like I like that. I think that's an interesting way of getting information. Um, and you don't have to be totally on top of it all the time. Like with Twitter, there's a very real, I mean, I think that's true with any news service that you're really trying to be on top of things and you're reacting to things and you're trying to filter out, uh, new information that's hitting you. Like I don't, um, I think, uh, you know, there's a, you know, there are a number of things that happened in the news. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I needed to read, you know, every uh, updates every five minutes about it. Right. Like, I mean, I, you, you get can you can get the overall narrative and people's hot takes are often very stupid. What was the sense from Europe of America's? Did did you talk to anybody about politics while you're over there? Did you just try to? No, not really. I mean, yeah. my my neither my Spanish. Oh, I think my French is good enough to talk about politics, but I was mostly at work. Yeah. The entire time, so I didn't really talk about politics there. Um, actually, when I came back, I had a conversation with someone I work with in the U.S. who is French, grew up in Paris, about yeah. race in Paris, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and I had it about 80% or 90% in French, which is, you know, good for me. Good for my French. Yeah. Uh, good for his patience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, you know, I mean, there are, I, I don't think there's a sense of panic or uh, concern. I mean, both, uh, I mean, both Spain and in uh, France are struggling to deal with their own populist movement. Spain more on the left. Yeah. Certainly France on the right, where people were like, hey, we dodged a bullet because they almost, they could have elected uh, the Le Pens um, and, and the National Front, I think is what it's called. The yeah, Front in, National. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with, which was a, a seriously right-wing bigoted government um, or a party. Uh, they could have elected them into power. Uh, so I think they're happy to have dodged a bullet, but they understand that, that these are real present uh, issues in their political system. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think race is a, as interesting and as uh, vexing a question in Europe that tends not to think about it in a way that the U.S. has really struggled with it um, uh, in the same way. So, like, I think Europe has very interesting racial dynamics. I certainly saw in Paris. Um, and so I, I think that... That are interesting conversations, but they're not like super obsessed with what's happening in the U.S. Like what? What do you mean? Like as far as racial dynamics? Well, so um, I I don't know if you're familiar with Paris, but there's sort of a center of yeah. Paris, and there's sort of a ring around that center. Yeah. But uh, and you can see a lot of people, and it does look really diverse on the outset. But I think maybe even the neighborhoods I was living in, um, or we were staying in, but the people who live there are predominantly white, and the people I know either from work um, or um, you know, just around the people who don't, who aren't white, don't come from that center. They come from the suburbs, uh, and uh, the suburbs are the ring around Paris is, it's a different world, right? Like they yeah. don't, they don't have that same access to the great culture or the great, uh, and, you know, it's not Paris. This like well healed lovely culture great subways i would say the public transportation in general in paris is pretty good and and certainly in even uh, in paris it's really decent especially compared to new york but 
um, you, there is a strong racial dynamic of being uh, white and affluent in the center of Paris and being anything else uh, and in the in the ring around it. And that's not true uh, as a rule, but I think in general, it, it's hard not to notice, especially um, when you're like, you know, I'm obviously I'm, I'm dark um, and my wife is uh, Asian. And so, I mean, do we just, we don't, you don't stand out because it's a diverse city, but I mean, in terms of where you live, I right. think it's it's there's a really striking pattern. You can feel it. Yeah, yeah. and if you see, uh, and I noticed this too. I think South Asians, in particular, uh, form an underclass in Parisian society. So they, uh, I, I, you know, I had a couple of conversations with people, uh, like you know, uh, the woman who was cleaning uh, the bathrooms in the office. We just had like a, a conversation about you know being South Asian. Like it was, uh, you know, and it's cool because I mean. It, it, there is something about having a South Asian community where, you know, you check, you have the nod and yeah. you, like, start to talk to each other and maybe you find a language you can talk to and you're like, hey, what's up? Um, but, you know, my uh, my people, if I can use that phrase, uh, tend to be, uh, not always, but, I mean, certainly make up a lot of the, like, chefs and, like, you know, middle-of-the-road restaurants, uh, waiters, uh, cleaning people. So, like, Sri Lankans or uh, Sri Lankans or maybe Bangladeshis or Indians, so just an underclass. And so I just kind of noticed that. Um, and it's not that America doesn't have that racial dynamic, but it's not that Europe is some, even with its supposedly much more liberal values, it still has the, those underpinnings of uh, a racial hierarchy, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's not explicit, and it's not anything that is approved of officially, but there is something about having, you know, your immigrants who are not necessarily welcomed by society and are also from places that aren't predominantly white or European, forming this like circle of service industry um workers right and so that's hard i don't i don't think that's that's something that is exclusionary about the social network uh the social safety net of europe um that is that also can reinforce uh racial dynamics or maybe just exclusionary principles yeah i mean i've never been to europe but yeah. it, it just the 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 idea of a country based on a homogenous genome is something I've never experienced yeah. and so that's I mean being an American uh, and from Houston which is yeah. weirdly blended uh, but it, it it does seem like it would, they would have sort of unique struggles as far as processing the modern age and like its its impulses and right the, you know it does I, and I feel like a lot of what we're seeing and it's like spasms of weird populism and racism has a lot to do with that right and i think it's and when we think about it in terms of left and right like yeah. i think those to me that just lays bare that those categories don't really work right like you can have very liberal policies on gay rights and mm-hmm. and uh and the social safety net and health care and uh gender equality and be deeply racist right like and, yeah right right <laughs> yeah. Or, or sweden yeah. um, and so like and and racist in a way that's like oh we just don't want foreigners here and right. but that's that's an it's that racism is that nationalism i don't know but it when people are actually in your country it takes on a pretty strong racial tinge and so that's that's one of the things that i've never uh, been enamored with uh, Europe, the way that I think a lot of people in the, on the in the American left have been, and yeah. so like this is the ideal. Yeah, right, Denmark. Like, right, right, Denmark. Like, I'm like, uh, okay, fine, I get yeah. it, but um, and you know, I think 
you know, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Durham, North Carolina, which is pretty mixed. But, like, we we faced a fair amount of explicit kind of racial animus, uh, especially when I was younger. Um, but I think that as an adult, I, I it's been a while since I've been I faced that even in North Carolina. Yeah. Like, I, I just I don't face it. But I remember traveling into, like, Italy, and it was pretty – it got kind of nasty sometimes. And it's it can get ugly. So um, it's – it's it, again, like you said. I think Europe doesn't have the same legacy of having people integrated into their population that are of different racial identities or racial backgrounds or ethnic backgrounds, and so they struggle with the modern world and the uh, fluidity of travel and place that I think a lot of people are, but I, I think a lot of countries are at least, and I don't think they're doing like an amazing job of it so far. <laughs> Yeah, so that, I mean, that was one take yeah. of it. That's, that's me not just sort of sitting around and enjoying the wine and the food, which was, it's lovely. I, I do recommend Spain. Spain's also really cheap. Yeah. Uh, they're very tourist friendly, so. Um, uh, but it's, and it's actually relatively cheap to go there. I would highly recommend it for anyone. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I still kind of still have no desire to go to Europe, but it, oh, it's great. Someday I'd love, like to go. You, you see it. Yeah, you should totally go to yeah, Europe. Someday, someday. I mean, it's it's great. Like, like the places I want. I want to see like Hong Kong. I like. I just like giant like. Oh, the mega city. Yeah, yeah. Mega Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. Maybe we should. We'll figure out a way to get to Hong Kong. Cause, yeah, uh, before um, it like you know becomes the the bridge is built. So right, 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 right. Clock's right. fucking ticking. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I do like the big me- mega cities too. Yeah, so. there's just something about them where it's just it feels it's very cyberpunk and like you know. Yeah, it's like um, democratic and it, it's way. kind of like uh, the the dystopia envisioned by Blade Runner, but yeah. like people are getting along. Yeah, like yeah. it's not like oh okay, well yeah okay I get it. There's no yeah. above ground train. It's just not raining as much. Yeah yeah yeah. It's like it's actually kind of okay. This is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a place that as a New Yorker I can go in order to like take notes. Yeah, you know like as far as like stuff that we could be doing better or worse. I mean yeah, I think I think but I think that's true for a lot of cities. Like I think yeah. that's true for Paris. Even Paris yeah. yeah. Um, because Paris is kind of amazing in its own yeah. planned yeah, yeah. way, yeah. but it's also, you know, it's got its issues too. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about like, New York's like a city. It's hit its roots pretty well, maybe not that well, but it's like a pirate, you know, yeah, city, it's a, right? It's like, co- it's definitely like a commercial. Yeah, yeah. But it's a commercial it's, enterprise right, at yeah, its core. Yeah. It's not like a colony of religious freedom. Yeah, it is yeah, a commercial yeah, enterprise. Yeah. And the other big like pirate city is like Hong Kong. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I'm curious about. It. I just mm. feel like some affinity for it. Yeah, it's like that's the one place I want to see before I pass from this mortal. I, you are, you're young, unless I don't know something about you. I think yeah. it's, you've got some time. I got some time, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I think I think it's a place where you can get by on your English as well. Like, uh, I, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, that's true of Paris. That's true with a lot of places, yeah. even in Spain. I, they didn't. Yeah, my my in laws didn't really need me in Paris. They got they got by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where to, where would you like to go next? Where's your like next? Uh, so uh, we're actually talking about this because I have an absurd amount of vacation because I'm yeah. a French company. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're thinking either Australia, New Zealand, or um, or Thailand maybe. So I think those are kind of the short list. I mean, Hong Kong could be up for it. I, I yeah. want to figure out how to. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think travel would be really really nice, and but and you know we're my wife and I are a couple that can travel well together. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. that's that's important. So and we like it. So 
Thailand. Have you have you guys been to uh, Thailand before? Have you? No, I, my wife has. I haven't. She has been, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious about it. Um, yeah, and we don't want, we don't want to speak the language. It's it's kind of a language. that's a little hard to pick up in the beginning. So, yeah. Um, it's not impossible, but that would be a challenge just to get by. I don't know. I think uh, I, I think it'd be fun. Um, I think we're go- we're based. We're basing this decision on food. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playground is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a. There's a. I think there was a New York, New Yorker, article. Um. Or. Uh, uh, whatever the other one is, the down version of New York Magazine. Magazine. New York Magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but like better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. better. It's better. I read. I prefer New York Magazine. Well, yeah, because it doesn't have those dumb cat cartoons. Yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and they listed the top ten places in Jackson Heights Seeds, and Playground was number one. I don't know if I believe that, but no, I it's not. It. Like there's yeah, some there's some questionable calls, and yeah. I forget which one. I was like, oh, not this place, but uh, but yeah, Playground's good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. What else is on there? Did a rapa lady make the list? A rapa lady made the list. Uh, the Nepalese place we just ate at made the list. Okay, that place yeah. is good. Yeah, it's uh, a weird list. It's like. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's right for yeah. Jackson Heights. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, there are uh, lots of fast food made the list. Okay, I probably wouldn't put that up, but it's interesting. You yeah. gotta eat there a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that makes solid almost. Yeah. Um, I think there's one or two other places uh, that I'm trying to remember which one was like, oh, I don't. I don't really trust you, uh, but there was there was a bad place. It wasn't Jackson Diner bad, but it was something else that was not good. And I, was it was it the Queensboro or? Oh, yeah, the Queensboro made it. Well, yeah, yeah, Queensboro. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Queensboro made it. Like and I was log like, rolling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Terrible, terrible. Totally untrustworthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, yeah. Podcast I mean, listeners, come to Jackson Nights. We'll take you out to eat. We yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> we'll take you know, the good places to yeah. eat. Yeah, which aren't the Queensboro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Oh, did I tell you? Uh, I don't know if we told you, but like, so we tried. Uh, we ended up uh, the weekend before we left for Spain. We ended up trying to eat at the like Spanish part of Jackson Heights. Yeah, and we and so I was trying to practice my Spanish. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was awful. They did not understand me. Um, uh, well, because it's really you know it's South America. It's yeah, like South, South America. America. Like I have yeah. like a slightly whatever. I mean, yeah, I, I just don't speak Spanish well. Let's be honest. But I also really appreciate that they by default speak Spanish right yeah. like it was really hard because there were all these things where like people knew the, in the neighborhood there's like a real sense of like oh this is how you do things and we were lost yeah and it wasn't like, there's was a little bit of a language barrier but mostly we just didn't know what was going on yeah, yeah, and it yeah. just it felt like traveling to like a different country yeah it's, it was like, like, yeah, it's 10 blocks away yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't know how to get in line yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and it's like specific, you know. Like there's a ch- there's Chilean places. Yeah, there's like, like Colombian places. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Colombian places, yeah. and they're all they're they're very Peruvian places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a really great Ecuadorian restaurant. I'm like, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, but the yeah, it's this place is magic. <laughs> it's yeah. got its own. Place. It's got its own several. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are headed down that way because I I'd, I'd want to go down and eat you down there with you. Yeah, I don't know if I found a restaurant that my wife really likes. Yeah. Like, because we had we. A Pio Pio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's expensive for what it is, and it yeah. wasn't like super amazing. I will keep going, but I think in general, I have to find like a really good place to anchor my wife to be like, okay, well, this is where we have to eat. Otherwise, she's just gonna be fussy about it. Like, yeah, yeah. It is. It is very. Yeah. It's not as like rarefied as some of the other options you can get. 
There are a couple of uh, Mexican places that made the list that I want to try um, when, my, when my wife is gone. But speaking of which, my wife is actually going to Japan and Taiwan in a couple of oh, weeks. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 I'm on my own for movie, a couple Movie time. Movie time. <laughs> movie and Mexican food. That's yeah. all I, Let's that's, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, so how have you been, man? Oh, not bad. Just working a bunch. Yeah? And yeah, I'm finished. I just finished the, you know third edit of this book I'm working on so I'm on the fourth edit and I'm yeah. the final edit and then I'll yeah. be happy to be done with it and then I can move on to other projects yeah. but yeah and uh, we just came out with a, a new book uh, so we launched that and we're putting together a west coast tour for our author and it's fun it's fun just a lot of work but uh, yeah and then dealing with impending winter and it's miseries <laughs> uh, but you know every year I've the winter doesn't get easier for me, but I'm able to deny it for longer. Yeah, yeah, because like, of global warming. Yeah, right. yeah, and just, like, I know how bad it can be, so it's, like, I can basically get through December while still denying that it's winter. Right, it's, right, it's, right. It's, like, it's not winter yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just that when February kicks in. February like, kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your heart stops, but, yeah. yeah. Well, should we talk about I yeah, mean, let's what do everybody this. else is talking about? Like, All right, so I guess we should talk about midterms. So, look, yeah. I wanted to start this with... Should we vote in the midterms? And when I say we, I mean New Yorkers and Jackson Heights. New York, does it matter? Does yeah. our vote count? Yeah, our vote does not count. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is there even a ballot initiative that we should care about? And probably not. Yeah, like Cuomo is going to win. Yeah, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is going to win. Yes. Primaries are the election here. Yeah, you just kind of coast, right? Yeah, unless you just really, you know, believe in your civic duty. Right. Which you should. You should vote. Everyone yeah. should vote. But our vote does not count. Yeah, like 100%. Our vote as New Yorkers in Jackson Heights just does not matter. count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, that, that, there's like that 538, you know, crawl that just shows you your relative vote. Like, you know, if you live in North Dakota, your vote is like 46 <laughs> times more powerful than our vote in right. New York. Right. Which is anti-democratic, but it's fine. We have a lot of other power. That, yeah. Uh, they don't, who, who knows the name of a North Dakota congressional representative, you know, like, for instance, they're one. But, you know, and our congressional representative is beloved and famous. So. <laughs> yeah, we produce a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's probably, it probably all evens out in the end. But, uh, you know, people have to deal with our TV shows and our books. and our, Right. So. No, my God, our Jonathans. Our Jonathans. <laughs> I'm sorry. So many I'm sorry. Jonathan's. So many Jonathans. Um, but yeah, so I, well, I will probably vote anyway. I, I well, yeah. it's going to be, there'll be, it's easy enough to do here. That's the other thing. Like it's, I can walk. Right. And it's fast. Yeah. And it will feel good. Yeah. But uh, should we? No, that makes no sense. Yeah. I, 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 my wife was asking me, should she vote? And, uh, you know, because I mean, we believe in a 19th century principle of voting. Yeah. yeah where I, I tell my wife how to vote. <laughs> um, uh, oh no, we had a very interesting conversation um, at some point uh, where we were trying to figure out my wife's political party. Um, oh, interesting. And like, where does she naturally fit? And yeah. my my take on it is that my wife um, is to the right of me, yeah. but like I couldn't tell if she's actually Republican right. And then I kind of realized, and so we realized that she is a Bloomberg, Bloomberg Democrat, or Bloomberg Democrat, yeah. which I think in certain parts of the country. Like California make you kind of a Republican, yeah. but for the most part of the country, you're a Democrat. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like she's, I think she's more to the right on me than in terms of immigration. Yeah, we're probably still in the center somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, she's fundamentally, I think, more of an elitist than I am. Okay. Yeah, like she believes in the technocracy right, and right, like right, doesn't right. necessarily understand why we give people who are uneducated a lot of say in the government, which is kind of scary to me. But like, right. I mean, <laughs> given the fact that you know that's large and makes sense where she's her background, but uh, that's that's kind of her take. Like that's why she's not like well within the populist branch of the Democratic Party, but. Right. Uh, I am less so that, but I think, you know, on the basic policies, I think she's probably going to be center left. Um, not a fan of the unions though. Oh, so okay. like, yeah, that's, that's where she starts to break with the Democrats. Public sector or private sector? Either, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 And so what do you think is going to, so I guess what, what do we think is going to happen and what yeah. do you think this are the implications of it? So, yeah, I mean, you know, here's. My feeling, my inclination as far as, like, how I'm, how I feel about America, like, what direction we're headed, mm-hmm. how things are shifting, how my feeling is that the Democrats are going to take back the House, maybe lose one or two Senate seats, but gain possibly Texas and Tennessee. And that will be uh, an incredible shift as far as how the Democrats are spread out and see themselves in America, right? Yeah. That is my feeling. That is what, you know, if I were betting money, that that would be my, those are my long shot bets. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I think probably going to lose North Dakota and Missouri, Mm -hmm. uh, in which case, and and maybe pick up one or the other of Nevada or Arizona. Yeah. but I feel I feel like they've got a, a good shot in Texas and Tennessee, and even if they don't win, the fact that they're coming close yeah. is fucking strange. Yeah, and that is already, you know, presaging a, a, a demographic shift in the New South. Right. That I think is going to continue to bear fruit as. Trump... And in general, the Sun Belt too. So once yeah. you start to throw things in, as like Nevada, um, you're talking about a Sun Belt. You're talking also about the parts of the country that are really growing right? yeah like i mean if you start to bleed off a lot of the industrial midwest you're talking about country, um, you know states rather that are are probably not doing as well as they did that even 10 or 15 years ago are certainly losing population and likely are becoming less and less important to the economy not that we should wait that like you shouldn't get a vote based on how much you contribute to the coffers of the government i mean i definitely believe that but yes continue yeah, that's that's <laughs> nonsense but um it, it's important to note right like yeah. I mean, we're talking about a party that may be capturing more and more of the dynamics of a growing economy or where the economy is headed and that says something i think i, mean, I think that goes along with also kind of being overrepresented in a certain demographic, the younger demographic, um, the more educated demographic. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but a generation ago, and when I say generation ago, I mean literally before Trump was elected. Right, it feels like it. Right, exactly. We used to think of, you know, uh, middle-aged, college-educated people as voting pretty squarely Republican, and that I don't think is true. I think... uh, at the same time, I used to think about people, uh, white people who, without a college education, having a fair shot at uh, voting for the Democratic Party. So those two positions have flipped. But as the Democratic Party becomes younger and also the center of the distribution goes more towards educated uh, professionals, I think uh, the party will change, right? Like I, I could see it being sort of a, a party that's um, an, of a 
uh, both combining minorities uh, and underrepresented minorities, but also becoming something of an, a working class professional, um, uh, economically uh, important, um, and maybe even overrepresented um, party, which is both good and bad, right? I think you're leaving. Uh, anyone who says use po uses populism, it's a bad word. I think is misusing it, but I think we could see a party becoming elite that I don't love. It's interesting. Like if the Republicans lose seats, they're going to become more. You know, the seats that they will lose will be moderate seats. Yeah. So they will be losing suburban districts. Right. Uh, if they do. Right? Yeah. And so they will become more radical than their. Right, I think in the short term, there's a real chance that the Republican Party, whatever is left, is far more, I guess, far more right wing in terms of the core causes. I think that's immigration largely. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say what are the other causes that are near and dear to the Republican Party that can't be co-opted by the center. But I think it's largely immigration and sort of engaging in the culture war rhetoric. But um, I, I don't know. I think in terms of real policy, the only thing they have is immig is immigration because I think right now. As long as Donald Trump is the president, I don't know if we're really talking about the, a Tea Party that wants that has a lot of sway to shut down the government based because they're not getting you know something they want and the debt ceiling is is we're bumping up against the debt ceiling. So I think that's I I wonder what the policies will look like for a more conservative, more concentrated Republican Party in the short term. I I also think that you're laying the groundwork for a more centrist Republican Party too. I mean, all you need to do is nominate Nikki Haley. Yeah, and yeah. then you've got a, a seriously strong, popular Republican who's centrist. Yeah, uh, I mean, and we can talk a little bit about what happens post midterm elections because if they vote in someone, let's say, um, pre-scandal Eric Greitens or yeah. Nikki Haley, there's a lot to be said that there is a strong center of the Republican Party that could possibly Tim Scott. Yeah, um, and I'm not. It's not clear to me what the Democrats are putting forth that could be really centrist and and popular in terms of a, an executive position. I think they can. They have worked on their ground game for sure, um, and I expect that to deliver returns in the House, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what, what the center even means anymore as right. far as economic issues, um, immigration, mm -hmm. or foreign policy. I mean, right. Everything's just kind of up for grabs and amorphous. Right. Uh, we just don't have it, smart discussions about things right now. We have, you know, federal troops being sent to the border and just like lies. Yeah. So things can't really sift out one way or the other because we're just ignoring any kind of conversations in good faith. Yeah, I think I think the ability to kind of come to a, a negotiation process or being able to sort of make small compromises um, trust building activities yeah, between the parties yeah is long been gone yeah. I mean, not long been gone but it just it has it has whittled away mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not sure where what that means I think there's actually a fair amount of centrist compromise you could easily get immigration I think could be put forth um, by a, a reasonable uh, centrist policy of you know some sort of border security and some combination of quote unquote amnesty right like it's only the and you could easily isolate the fifty percent of the Republican Party um, that doesn't support it because you have probably ninety percent of the Democrats and maybe thirty five to forty percent of the Republicans who would support some sort of compromise. Yeah, we have this like fear of it, or I guess some people do, but we don't have a metric for what is good that 
versus bad levels of immigration. Yeah. You know, we everybody kind of has been taught to understand that anything lower than 5% unemployment is good, right? Yeah. But we don't have any kind of number in our heads for what percentage we want of our country to be made up of immigrants, right? Yeah. And I think the Democrats should put that out there. Like, what percentage is a healthy amount of immigration for a country that yeah. doesn't do economic harm or whatever yeah. and helps a country grow? Yeah. You know, if the Republicans are going to be, like, negative, it should yeah. be a negative number. Yeah. Democrats should counter with some... I think that's level. a technocratic solution, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I think that's that's interesting, but I think you'll, you'll hit that cap, right? I mean, because I think the Republicans... Uh, you, you'll see kind of the conservative wing of the Republicans start to argue about like immigrations change culture. Like this is a Steve Bannon Ban- yeah. argument. Or Bernie even... Sanders, you know, he thinks open borders are a Koch brothers plot and yeah. thinks that, you know, immigrants steal American jobs. Yeah, I mean, so both wings, I think, tend to be uh, put forth in either an economic argument or a culturally xenophobic argument. Yeah. And so, uh, but I think there's enough space to be like, hey, we like immigrants in our neighborhoods, and we know a lot of the, and a lot of the generation of of post financial crisis uh, immigration are. I mean, not to put in a plug from my family, but like you know, they're either Indian or Chinese, and so that's really become a very like. Um, even illegal immigration and uh, from South America, but I mean, just not. We don't. Uh, the flow is no longer like predominantly Latino. It's Asian professionals, mm-hmm. and that that makes a difference. I think. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to make it. I always had as my solution. I mean, I think you could, if you had a Democratic president, you could pass clean DACA without much, and you had enough. I think you could get enough Republicans to vote for clean DACA. Right. Yeah, and that would be that would be a way to take down the temperature on that debate. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you could get something like amnesty for border control, which is um, a debate that's been around for a long time, but I think that uh, I think the Republican a Republican Party under uh, something like a Rubio or a Haley would be much more amenable to that. Yeah, or a Democratic Party under anybody but Sanders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's not a Democrat? I yeah, I mean, I mean, Ocasio Cortez, who's largely his economic policy, right? Like, yeah, th- there's no way. I mean, we would have a, uh, but yeah. but far more open as far as yeah. immigration goes. Yeah, she she's definitely um, the future of that wing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think is likely to happen as uh, someone less 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 trying to understand America with their feelings and more yeah. with their uh, analytics, with data? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. In the short term, I think you could have a midterm election that uh, puts the Congress uh, in Democratic hands, uh, leaves the Senate in Republican hands. Uh, Like we said, uh, what's left in uh, Congress is going to be a much more conservative Republican Party. Ryan is out. Uh, What's left in the Senate, I think, is a much more conservative party, but McConnell is in. Mm -hmm. Uh, McConnell uh, into uh, whatever, uh, you know, and you have people who are and one of the things that's happened over the past, I would say, six to eight months, it's very clear that at least Senate leadership is starting to like really back Donald Trump. I always think about Lindsey Graham as being the bellwether here, where yeah. he's uh, talking about uh, what it was the latest thing, a birthright citizenship. Yeah. Like Lindsey Graham is anti-birthright citizenship for now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whatever. Uh, so, I think. I think the moderate wing of the Republican Party is going to fade in the Senate. Uh, but I also think the immediate conversation after that is who are you going to elect as president? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, and my guess is, I you know, there's a lot of people who are talking about this. You know, this is Trump's time. I just think that anyone is going to vote for. Uh, I think I don't know if he can be primaried, but I think that if the Democrats can put together a strong, um, a strong centrist candidate, I think they're going to win. Um, it really matters the presidential our candidate. I've always thought that you should have a you should have a, a mixed ticket. Uh, go back to like pre eighteen hundred rules. <laughs> But like you, you could have a Democrat run with a with a vice president. <laughs> I think it's perfectly tied. Like you would sass uh, and sass. Uh, actually, the best person to pick up would be Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, yeah. because she's not gonna she's not gonna give, be given room on the ticket, and then she could be the vice president. Beto Haley, yeah, Carolina, yeah, Texas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who you would get to run with her, but if you had a VP of Haley, she would be vice president. Yeah. Um, and she would bring the entire republic. She would bring. I my guess is she'd bring forty percent of the Republican vote with her. Yeah. Um, and then if you could reconcile that with the Democrats, uh, I don't. Uh, you would just have to figure out who that person is. So you could. I, I don't. You like Kamala Harris, so we yeah. have an all Indian woman ticket. Harris Haley, yeah. uh, dream ticket. I would fucking not mind that. I, you know. I can pretty much deliver all the votes of the two <laughs> yeah, percent of America yeah. that is Indian. Yeah. We will. We will. We will. Jackson s- Heights. Yeah, Jackson Heights. She's, they've got the cover. Yeah. But, um, uh, I don't know if Harris Haley is the right ticket, but you, if you could get someone who's credibly centrist enough. Uh, I can't really see a Warren Haley ticket. No, it wouldn't be enough. Yeah, you yeah. would just. You would have an interesting primary, or you'd have an interesting presidential mm-hmm. election. I think as soon as the midterms are over, we're going to start looking to, to 2020. And yeah. Every little thing is going to be the confirmation of prior existing analysis. And the reason that the party that I like is losing or winning is because they are or are not following my what I want them to do. Yeah. Right? Like, so, you know, all of a sudden they're swinging to the right on immigration. This is why the party of the Democrats is losing. And so it's really, we're, we have these really strong filters about what we expect from politics now. And everyone's really heightened uh, in terms of like ingesting news, but I don't, uh, our analysis isn't super deep. And so understanding that things are in cycles and that, you know, what we want from policy, what we think are good pol- political ideals aren't necessarily doable or even good for the country. Right. Um, and so I think that it's just going to be a complicated mess. And I think there's there's no conclusion to come from the midterms. You just may have some check on on Trump's power. There's some things that they will probably likely do. Um, I often I also wonder if not if whether or not the eruptions you're seeing in the stock market are due to the fact that uh, the market's a little worried that you don't have a Republican Congress anymore. Right. Um, uh, I've I've had that suspicion for a long time. Actually, that the that the markets really like what's happening in with the Republican Congress, and they're willing to ignore Donald Trump's terribleness and play down the the aspects of the trade war that could be troublesome. Yeah, I mean, it it just feels like we have no president, which is great for the stock market. It's it's really what the, it's really what the Jeffersonian wing envisioned. Yeah, it's a complete and utter void. Oh right, 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 right. We're but, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think I think something interesting that we're gonna see after the midterms is the reality show is gonna now be part of the Democratic Party, like whatever you know reality show aspect of the republic you know hillary clinton was a foregone conclusion in right. 2016 
you know, there's going to be 15 people running for president yeah. after the midterms, and that's going to create a lot of energy and attention on the Democratic side, right? And it's just going to get a lot of, like, mediocre theater. Yeah, mediocre. But it's going to be slightly better theater than the Republican I mean, it's, like, theater. dark, right? Like, yeah. you don't have that heel turn. Like, I mean, what's the worst thing Cory Booker's going to do? Right. I mean, he's going to yeah. cry. Like, yeah. He's going to cry, and it's, like, histrionic. How, yeah. how you know, I just, I, I find that what's going to happen is you have a casting call for a lot of, like, terrible, like, bit character actors yeah. who are trying to play the president. Yeah. On some, like, Airsats, Andrew Sorkin, like, West Wing ripoff. It's going to be, a, and there's going to be alliances formed, and there's going to be, like, damage yeah. done. It will have all the qualities of a reality show for the next yeah. year on the Democratic side. Yeah, easily. Uh, whatever unifications have occurred in the past two years uh, are going to fracture, and it is going to become uglier and yeah. stupider. Uh, and then Kamala Harris is going to win. It's yeah. just like, it'll all be for nothing. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, possible. Hick and Looper's, you know, takedown of Bernie Sanders in, in May of 2019 is... is not going to mean anything once she wins a nomination but it's it's you know it's going to be fascinating yeah uh to see how the democrats do this uh, right uh, because it feels like this is just going to be the new politics for a right right the mode and the the discourse has changed right yeah. and we have a very heightened weird rhetoric per, that's personality based and, yeah yeah and has all the facets of reality tv that we've just internalized and 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 operationalized as far as politics yeah and I just I'd have to say as someone who loves television but never got into reality television like all this looks really strange it's like really really strange I get it I see the heel turn and like all the other things but I just like I'm not I have not internalized the tropes of the reality television uh, I don't know um, formula yeah and it's 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 just really weird I don't know Um, I think you're right I think I think it's going to be a, a lot. I think the Democratic Party will be given a sense of we're about to win this mm-hmm. without ever having gone through the hard work of having built a coalition that's meaningful that can actually figure out how to compromise, right? Like, and so that's it's so it's again it's going to be personality based as opposed to large swaths of a coalition coming together. Yeah, I was listening to this podcast, Texas Matters, which I, I yeah, really like enjoy it. listening yeah. to uh, with David Martin Davies. Up, David Martin Davies. You are a sober man in an unsober time. Yeah. Uh, but he had an interview with uh, with Mike Collier, who's running for lieutenant governor right. of Texas, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the most powerful state position in Texas. Right. Since the governor uh, constitutionally has very little power in Texas because they're suspicious of uh, executive power. executive power, and the, the lieutenant governor has all the power of scheduling the Senate. Yeah. Uh, and the deciding vote. Anyway, Mike Collier was running is running on a platform of two things, which he just talked about incessantly, and I was like, yeah, this is it. Why don't we just run? Which was, he's very pro-public education, and he wants to lower property taxes. And that's it. That's all he wants to talk Completely about. Completely contradictory impulses, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, in Texas, they're... they're uh, the, the, there's a giant loophole where corporations just don't pay any property taxes. Oh, is he going to fix that? Yeah, and yeah. so then, uh, and so all the property taxes just for individuals and small businesses just go up. Every oh, okay, year. yeah. 
uh, and it's starving the public education system. So, you know, in Texas, which is already what, you know, it's a libertarian nightmare as far yeah. as that goes, uh, he's, you know, attempting to rationalize things to make it comport with more of a sane economy. Right? Okay. But it's it was just, it was refreshing to hear, like, somebody talk about, like, actual policy in uh, an election that yeah. was not just insane. It wasn't responding to just other people's and I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna win but he's it's great it was great to hear and I'd love to hear somebody more on that page right. like defending things that you know or at least debating them yeah at least sure. debating them uh yeah and I think that's fair I mean I think policy has taken a backseat to personality yeah um I also think it's just gonna be an, an exhaustion right uh I mean I may be indicative of it like being able to keep up with the nth tweet that Trump made or what stupid gaffe like some idiot in his cabinet has made is exhausting and it's I think people maybe post-election or during the election are willing to ignore it and I actually think that this is there's just the difference between the people who have a lot of time spend on social media versus people who don't like yeah, yeah it's it's an interesting divide right I mean uh, yeah I mean I would I would think that there are probably some events that have happened in the past several weeks, but I think people have just not, that's not enough to dissuade them. And whereas it seems to like cause huge ripples in social media, I don't think it's actually really swayed the vote. Do you have any thoughts or feelings or uh, predictions about the apparent rise and I guess like violence in the United States? Right. Yeah, like I definitely I mean the stuff that I think like, was really really sad and I know that there's, there's been a number of attempts but I think the synagogue shooting was really sad um, it's not uh, and uh, you know I was listening to the commentary podcast and they're conservative Jews and they're you could hear the like sadness and the yeah. pain coming from them and like there is there's a real I mean you know John Potteretz is an ass but like you know you could hear him really really stunned Take by everything it's like yeah, yeah they took you know he's you know it was a week later and he's still really shaken up by that um not that they, they're not in any way going to change their political priors but i i wouldn't consider it sectarian um you know i think uh heightened rhetoric is heightened rhetoric but i think we could also exhaust ourselves from it uh and just learn to put up filters which is how we deal with most new forms of media is that we overinvest in it we take it way too seriously and it becomes an obsession and and then at some point we learn to put up filters because it's exhausting and it makes us make bad decisions it may take a while and there can be some really horrible ramifications but i think that's how we de deal with new technology with i don't want to go into a part where we try to prescribe policy but i i think it's also um indicative of people who uh you know i it, who realize that this is a generally a problem with the U.S. Like it's not um, when you have you know ninety four people, uh, ninety four year olds being shot in the place that they worship. Holocaust survivors. Yeah, come on. I mean, we, yeah. we know better, and uh, no one is is rushing to defend. I think that uh, that sense of like, okay, but you guys did it first. Like that's why I don't think it's except like, for the ambassador of Israel. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but the ambassador of Israel is like another story. But, um, but I think uh, I don't know if there's anything to come out of it. But I think uh, we're not talking about the streets of Berlin, right? Mm -hmm. In nineteen, in like pre, uh, nineteen thirty-three, right? We're not talking about a tit for tat battle in the streets. Like I think that's something that 
uh, one of uh, I think Sorvamare called Portland the new Weimar Republic, and it's, it's so overshot and so overdone, right? Like, I mean, there's no, we're not fighting each other in the streets, and I, I and I think that this is something that's important, is that uh, in New York we kind of forget this a little, and maybe things have been really heightened, but we largely share space with our political people we don't see eye to eye with we have to work with them we have to live with them we uh you know sometimes we have to raise children with them like i think we're much more integrated i think we can have different opinions about politics but um we can have different views on say what the kavanaugh hearing looks like um or what happened during the kavanaugh hearing but i think it's uh, at, at the end, I think this sort of stuff is like, okay, well, I think I need to walk away a little. Um, yeah. Something that's new, I think, at least as far as this goes, is we do have an executive that is just full of grievance and bile, yeah. right? as opposed to somebody who's attempting to lower the temperature. Yeah. Because they would, you know, ideally an executive would see... Uh, low temperature country as one that's easier to govern right and get stuff done in yeah but our executive seems to feel the opposite is true well i think i think you hit the nail on the head because i don't think he cares about governing right that's a thing i think he i mean in his mind whether or not this is an actual plan he's still gearing up to run the trump network mm -hmm. and so what he wants is a strong brand and a strong image yeah. and so that's what matters right like i think that's that's governance and being able to govern he will point to any small piece of executive order to say like hey look these are the 99 things i've done and the actual accomplishments don't matter like being able yeah. to govern or put forth policy isn't what matters what matters is a strong brand identity that comes out of the trump administration right and, and well this is somebody who has zero executive or political experience right? it's super and and it's somewhat pretty nihilistic about what they want out of politics which we kind of accuse a lot of people of having but yeah We've Here's, never seen it's very, very clear. Yeah, yeah. There's no this this guy running a town, the yeah. town would devolve into set, you know, like partisan violence. Yeah. This guy running a, a Lions Club meeting. Yeah. It would become like people shouting at each other. Yeah. He does not know what he's doing as Yeah, and I mean he has that weird strange charisma where he's able to excite uh, whatever he does, either consciously or unconsciously, is he's able to um, excite a certain population to rally to his side. Yeah, which and is really and, and and against him right and the yeah. other side to that but i remember um and so like you know he can do things like oh okay well we're going to stick with kavanaugh and like the republican party like fell to the to the kavanaugh side and they get really upset by about democrats cha challenging it which i think i'm much more centrist on this sort of stuff like i i, I see uh, in this well anyway um but it's it's amazing how much he can excite at least temporarily passions um, and tribal passions uh, to have people rally to his side. I don't know if it'll. I, I think he's going to have a hard time sustaining all of this stuff. Yeah. But then we said that about you know the primaries. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll we'll see. Yeah. If people decide that the past <laughs> two years have been exhausting and they would prefer well, to have some. Right. I mean, I so I think this is different, right? Like, I mean, I yeah. think if you're honest, like you don't get to control the Congress, right? Like mm -hmm. you get to control one you're taking one branch uh, one part of one branch away from the Republican Party so you're chipping away at power so this yeah. isn't well also real power like if you control yeah. more governorships if you control yeah. 
Senate seats from more powerful states. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so you're chipping, but I think you're chipping away from the Republican edifice at yeah. the national level yeah. and also the state level. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really cultural important. too. You know? Yeah, cultural. I think the Democrats have never had a problem with. Yeah. Like, I mean, um, uh, or not, never had a problem. But in recent memory, it tends to be like we had a cool president. Go ahead, yeah. name, name yours. So Ronald Reagan, really the <laughs> yeah. cool president. Right? Yeah. No, we had Barack Obama. Yeah. We're, we, we we got culture. <laughs> um, and so I think that's that's the thing you're chipping away at power so nothing gets resolved with the midterm election um but again i think what matters is to understand that you know it's been pretty infuriating and exhausting the past couple of years but to really put forth a vision of america that you believe in it is more than one election away it is a ongoing battle to try to win through elections a people uh, to your side and that's both an argument and also a ground game i mean there is some bare knuckle brawling right but it's more than yelling at people on the internet you really have to figure out a way to convince and and take people who could possibly vote to you uh vote for your side and take them into consideration yeah i mean if the democrats are able to get some representatives from the new south I think that will be great for the rebranding in order to reach people everywhere. Yeah. I, I think that they just have forgotten how to talk to people in the middle of the country because yeah. they don't have any leadership from there. Yeah. And it it's a, unfortunate because there's a lot of fucking people there. And yeah. Well, this we're looking at an election where they're yeah. driving the, the conversation, whether it's Gillum or Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Or, it would be Bay good, or, I think, to see if the coalition expands like the democratic yeah. coalition has expanded and dealing with that political reality like yeah. they can't just i mean ocasio cortez can and uh, gin up the energy but you really do have to make ground troops work for your and put together a centrist idea and to show that this is universal it just right. doesn't exist and it's just not a good ideology for like big cities in the in the north yeah it's, it's policy initiatives that will yeah. can help everybody yeah uh, anyway, so we'll see. Like it's yep. fucking Sunday, so yeah, 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 we'll see. We'll see on Tuesday. Yeah, 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 Tuesday night. All right, man. Uh, uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening. Yeah.